You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. For those that are visiting today, if you've never been a part of an application Sunday, we do these about every six weeks. Um, And this is just a time where we have extended fellowship before the service. So normally we would start at 1030. Today we're starting at 11 uh, because we have an extended time of fellowship with breakfast provided from 1030 to 11. So about every six weeks we do it this way. I always encourage you to come and eat and hang out. Uh, The goal being to give you some additional time to talk uh, with people from our church, particularly those that are visiting our church. Sometimes it's hard to connect. You come, church starts, then church is over and you're gone, and there's not so much uh, time maybe to hang out before or after. And so this is kind of built-in time, come at your normal time, but know that you're going to have some extended fellowship. So uh, always an encouraging time to be able to hang out and talk, so hopefully you're able to take advantage of that today. Um, But then the other part of Application Sunday, not just the extended fellowship time, but we use it as a time to go back and look at the last four to five sermons and kind of dive a little bit deeper into the application piece of what are we doing with what we're hearing. So we want to be faithful not to be hearers of the word only. We want to be doers of the word. And so uh, it's kind of a, a time for us to put a pause on what we're currently learning and to just step back and ask ourselves, am I doing anything with what I'm learning? Am I, am I listening in such a way where I'm looking to apply it to my life? So we're going to do that today. We're going to look back at the last four sermons that we've been doing in the book of Psalms and kind of look a little bit deeper at the application piece of what am I doing with the things that I'm reading and hearing from the book of Psalms. And then at the end, uh, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper, which is what we do every application Sunday as well. So again, about every six weeks, we're partaking of the Lord's Supper. A lot of churches do the Lord's Supper timing differently. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it monthly. Some churches do it quarterly. Uh, there may be even some churches that do it simply at Christmas or Easter. A lot of different ways to do it, not necessarily a right or wrong. We like to do it on Application Sunday because we feel like it ties in well with what we're trying to accomplish on Application Sunday. It's a time of remembering, remembering what we have been studying, remembering why we gather right? It's because Christ died on the cross for our sins. He rose again three days later, and he is coming again for us. And the Lord's Supper points us in that direction. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ, but it also reminds us of the resurrection of Christ because Jesus was clear that we would partake of this as his disciples until he returns. And so by partaking, we are also also creating an anticipation and a longing for him to come back. Um, And so it fits right in with what we're trying to accomplish on Application Sunday. So uh, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper at the end of the day. Um, but before we jump into our, our recap and application from the book of Psalms, we're also really excited to announce that Beth Jackson has completed our membership process. So Beth is now a member of Sovereign Hope. Um, we were talking with Beth again this morning, and it was about this time last year that she connected with Tiffany Long up at Snowbird on the ladies' retreat. She was currently living in Virginia, and just through conversations, uh, Tiffany encouraged her to reach out to me as a teacher because she was looking for a change in direction, and so she reached out to me about a job. We had a job opportunity for her, um, so I was able to hire her, and she came down and moved here um, in August, lived with the Schwarting family for the first couple of months until she was able to get an apartment, and then has settled into Noonan and has been a Um, an important part of what we're doing at Trinity in seventh grade and has jumped right in and has served well. And then you as a church family have been able to serve her well already uh, through her time of surgery and recovery. So we thank you for that. And uh, now that she is back with us, we're looking forward to having her serve with her gifts and ability. She's going to be connecting with our youth 
and, and helping with some of the um, female uh, Bible studies and discipleship opportunities. And so we're just really excited to have Beth uh, joining us um, as an official member. So I encourage you to say something to her uh, on the way out today as well. All right, uh, let me open us up in prayer and then we're going to jump right in uh, to uh, the book of Psalms. And looking back at some of the things that we have seen over the past couple of weeks. And then I'm going to give you, as always, some key, fresh application points that we maybe haven't discussed as thoroughly um, at the end. So let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to gather today. We thank you for the reason to gather. We gather knowing that it was on a Sunday, the first day of the week, that you rose from the dead. And uh, Lord, you give us meaning in life now because of that. Um, as the Apostle Paul says, if we only have this life to hope in, uh, we should be pitied. Um, but Lord, we know that we are, we are anticipating and longing and hoping in a life that is to come. And so, Lord, we strive to be faithful today, knowing that there is a day where you are coming back to gather your people to you, and we look forward to that. Um, Father, I pray that you would be with our time together today as we look into your word, that you would remind us of things that we've already heard. You would challenge us with things that maybe we've forgotten. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would lead us into a a state of transformation where your word is changing our hearts, changing our minds, and changing our actions. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. As you're doing that, I want to remind you of some of the things that I've challenged you to remember and challenged you to do already from our study in Psalms. So we've been in Psalms for several months now. I just want to read through these things that we talked about uh, over the last couple of application Sundays. Number one, that Psalms reminds us of the assurance that God always remembers his people and the tendency for God's people to often forget him, right? So we've talked about the book of Psalms helps us to see that God never forgets us. God always remembers us. It's more us that tends to forget him, right? We're forgetting him. We're forgetting his provision. We're forgetting his commands, but he is always remembering his people. Psalms reminds us that while God's timing is different than what we desire or expect, he's always carrying out acts of covenant care, okay? Again, he remembers us. He's always working and moving for our good, even if it's not according to our timetable. Number three, Psalms reminds us to praise God most noticeably through song, as an act of worship and trust for what we believe about him. So I told you, my hope is that as we, we sing together, that the Psalms, what we're learning from the book of Psalms, would drive our desire to sing, particularly those who don't necessarily love singing, those who feel sometimes self-conscious about their singing, that we would desire to sing more as an overflow of what's happening inside of us. Now, we won't sing today uh, because what we've been doing through Application Sunday is having the Psalms read over us as a means of worship. Um, but every other Sunday, we're singing and praising God, and so we're challenging you to come with a mindset to sing in response to what God is teaching us. Number four, Psalms reminds us if we want to claim the assurances found in these songs, we need to be right with God by handling our sin rightly. Right? We, can't, we can't come to Psalms and claim these, these Psalms out of context and have them apply to us if we're not walking with the Lord. That the Psalms are applicable to us as we walk with the Lord. And then number five, Psalms reminds, our, reminds us our fears about this world are best handled by knowing God and knowing how God interacted with Israel in the Old Testament. Right? So we look to the Old Testament, we see how God has been faithful to his people through these stories that are contained in the Old Testament for us. We see his faithfulness, and that gives us confidence to approach our fears today, knowing that God provides for his people. God protects 
his people. So it gives us confidence to face our own fears. What do we do in response to these things we're remembering? We talked about having a targeted planned time to be in God's word, being ready and willing to filter your life's daily episodes through the bigger storyline of what you know God has promised to do. Contribute to making singing a normal way of expressing your love, devotion, and trust in God. Be still and assess your motives and your actions. Are you living in such a way that the Lord would have reason to vindicate you? Remember, David cries out to God, vindicate me, Lord. I'm being criticized. I'm being oppressed. I'm being attacked. He says, I've been faithful to you, Lord, so vindicate me. Can't you ask the Lord to vindicate you because of your faithfulness to him? And then lastly, be still and assess your time management. Are you studying God's word in such a way? that your daily motions are being impacted by it. So that brings us to Psalm 78, which is where we were four weeks ago. Our summary sentence from that week. Christians must embrace a responsibility to teach others about God, specifically his attributes, his abilities, and his authority, so that together we will be inclined to both hope in him and obey him without forgetting him. Right? So this responsibility for us to know who God is, to know what he's done or what he's capable of doing, and to know what he's called us to do, to know that ourselves and to teach others those things as well so that together we hope in him and we obey him and we don't forget him. We see this from Psalm 78. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So again, this mentality that we need to teach the next generation so that they will know who God is, so that the next generation can teach the next generation. And we talked about, well, what that tells me is that the Bible remains relevant, that it's not just for people in the Old Testament, not just for people in the New Testament, or that at some point its relevancy will run out today, right? No, we're to continue teaching God's Word because it remains relevant for all time. These stories are meant to help us see the attributes of God, to see the abilities of God, to see the authority of God. I challenge you to read through the rest of Psalm 78 because for time's sake, we didn't look at every verse in Psalm 78. It's like the longest... uh, historical psalm that we have and so just constant stories are mentioned in psalm 78 but the the consistent theme in psalm 78 is god's power god's goodness and god's call for us to be obedient to him in response but this concept of teaching the next generation it has a lot to say for us today one as parents it reminds us that the most important things we'll ever teach our children are the things we teach them about god Right? Certainly we want to train our kids to be successful in life, and we want to teach them life skills. But at the end of the day, the most important things that we're going to teach them are the things that we teach them about God. And so therefore, we want to be intentional about the normals that we're creating in our kids' minds about what it means to worship God, right? Because what they know about worshiping God is what they're experiencing in your home. 
what's normal for them, what they will potentially take into a marriage down the road, is what they experience as a child growing up in your home. What are you creating as the normal practice for what it looks like to worship God, to follow him? We need to teach the next generation who he is, what he's done, and what he demands so that we don't forget him, right? The psalmist reminds us that there was a generation who did forget him, who became rebellious. They weren't steadfast. We need to know God and to teach him to others so that we don't forget. And that's kind of been the the theme that we've seen over the last four weeks. I've been trying to choose psalms that highlight the importance of God's word, um, the importance of knowing it, the importance of teaching it to others. And so we're going to see that theme kind of run through uh, our remaining psalms that we're looking at today. So now let's jump over to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. So we went from the longest historical psalm in Psalm 78 to the longest psalm out of all of them in Psalm 119. And we've only looked at the beginning part, and we broke that up into two sections because of the length of it. And so two weeks ago, we or three we, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, yeah, three weeks ago, we looked at verses 1 through 16. Our summary sentence for three weeks ago, the Bible reveals who God is and what he does but also tells us who we are and what we must do, meaning we must prioritize the understanding and remembrance of his word if we are to live holy and blameless lives for him. Psalm 119, verse 1, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. He goes on to say through the remaining verses there to verse 16 that it's God's word that keeps us pure. It's being in God's word that allows us to to pursue purity. The, The Holy Spirit empowers us to live faithfully as we commit time to God's word. God's word informs us of what is right, what is wrong, and how we should live. The Bible and the study of the Bible will never not be important, right? No matter how much technology advances, the Bible will always need to be known by us in a moment's notice. Remember I told you that education has changed in the last several years because students don't have to rely upon the teacher to give them all their knowledge, right? Our, our students can come sometimes knowing more than our teacher if they devote time to, to studying things on the internet. I mean, they have resources available to them constantly. We have some students that, that my teachers even come to me and say, hey, this kid's brilliant. Like, th- this kid might know more than me. Because why? He's got resources available to him at all times, right? We've talked about, uh, when we talked about this sermon, I told you that memorization of certain things isn't even as important as it used to be from an earthly standpoint. Things that you had to memorize previously, technically you can get away without memorizing today because you're walking around with a cell phone where things are easily accessible to you whenever you need it. But that doesn't minimize the importance of us hiding God's word in our heart. Do we have the ability to carry our Bibles around with us at all times now? Yeah. We can download all kinds of Bible apps to, to have at our fingertips, all kinds of translations and study tools that go along with it. The problem is that we don't typically have enough time, even with it in our hands, to look up what we need when we need it, right? Because the spiritual battles that we face, I mean, we've got to know God's word in a moment's notice. We're responding to temptation in a moment's notice. We don't have time to pull up God's word and say, what does it say about this? There's there's times where we may have that, but more often than not, 
I'm responding to situations in a, in, a, in a time slot that I don't have time to look up God's word and be impacted and changed by God's word. I need to already have been impacted by it, right? So the psalmist tells us to, to hide God's word in your heart so that we will not sin against him. It's our way to purity. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Bible study is always going to be important. No matter how much our culture and technology continues to advance, Bible study will always be important. Why is it important? Because it gives us information about who God is and what he's done and what he requires of us. It tells us very specifically what we should know about God. It doesn't tell us everything about God, but it tells us what we need to know about God. It tells us the things that he has done, how he has shown his faithfulness to his people. And then it tells us what's required of us. How do we follow him in obedience? It tells us the, the pieces of morality that we need to know, the, the rights and the wrongs. We were driving back from our fishing trip yesterday, and it was me and Adam McLeod and Ben and John Wallace, and we were talking, and part of our conversation turned towards um, a, a percentage of people that we would consider to be true Christians or, or solid believers, right? Because we were trying to differentiate between not just people who say they follow Jesus, but people who really are following Jesus. And somebody made the comment that what we're, what we're talking about here are people who uh, view the word as authoritative for their life. That's who I'm talking about, like that group of people. Not just the people who label themselves as believers, but people who have really bought into the idea that God's word drives my life, right? It's the authoritative piece that tells me who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. That's what the psalmist is talking about here. He's saying, make God's word that type of role player in your life, right? Jesus has given it to us. Jesus has instructed to it. The Holy Spirit has spoken through human beings. They've written it down. It's been preserved for us. Who God is, what he's done, what he requires of us, what is right, what is wrong. Our desire to know him and obey him drives us to the word. It's the greatest solution to helping us overcome sin, right? How do we keep our way pure? Guarding it according to your word. We have to be in God's word. We have to commit ourselves to it. If not, we'll drift, right? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 cautions us about forgetting what we're hearing, right? It says in verse 1 of chapter 2 in Hebrews, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Right? The idea is that we, we cling to what we've heard or else we'll drift. On this fishing trip that we went on this week, we experienced wind like I've never experienced before. Just unbelievable. I think it, I think it was registering at 30 miles an hour. It had to be wrong because it had to be twice that. I've been in Florida before on the outskirts of a hurricane. We crazy in our younger years, and we went on vacation for, um, it was Labor Day weekend 2010, and there was a hurricane that didn't hit Panama City, but it was close enough to where you were feeling the effects. And I remember being down there, and we were catching breaks in between the rain to run out to the ocean. The waves were bigger than I've ever seen them. Like, that wind paled in comparison to what we experienced this week in, in Florida. And, and what was weird about it is that the skies couldn't have been any sunnier. 
right? Like it wasn't like, hey, a storm's blowing in. It's like, what a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful day. You'd look out the window and you're like, I want to be outside. And then you'd walk outside and you're like, this is awful. You, you couldn't hear, you couldn't hear the people you were talking to next to you. I mean, you had to scream at them. The wind was so loud. I, I told the guys, I said, it's like somebody turned on a giant box fan and we're like ants because it never stopped blowing, right? And, and like, you couldn't set anything down or it would just blow away from you. I mean, we got a little break yesterday and Ben made the joke. He's like, it's so nice not to like have to hang on to my chair in fear that it's going to blow away. Like we can just act like normal people right now. The winds of today in culture will blow us all over the place if we're not careful, right? We're getting so many messages. Our kids are getting so many types of messages that will blow them all over the place from a morality standpoint. What's right? What's wrong? If we're not careful, if we don't cling to God's word, we'll shift. We'll shift. It's God's word that drives our our understanding of morality. If we're not careful, we'll shift. And Hebrews tells us, he said, don't forget what you've heard. Don't let culture shape you. You've got to cling to God's word. We store it up. It's our responsibility to do so. Two weeks ago, we finished out our time in Psalms 119 by looking at verses 17 through 24. Let me jump back there in Psalms now. Psalms chapter 119, we picked up in verse 17. It says, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. The Lord and his wondrous word provides us with life-giving comfort and life-shaping counsel as we navigate this world that brings the difficulty of temptation and the distress of opposition. Now, I challenge you this week in saying that we don't obey God so that he'll love us more, so that he'll like us more, right? Like, that's a flawed thinking. It's a legalistic thinking if we think that if I obey you, then you'll like me. Right? That's not how God functions. It's not how he operates. He loved us while we were sinners. He loved us while we were enemies, right? No, our obedience is our expression of love for him. It's not my best effort to get him to love me more. So my view of obedience then is this is my way of showing God that I love him, not my way of getting him to love me, right? And so effective Bible reading, effective Bible study This is how it works. It's me putting my eyes on the wondrous things of God and then God opening my eyes to see how wonderful those things are. right, so we talked about how verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. There's a human responsibility of me prioritizing time in my calendar, my daily schedule, my weekly schedule, whatever it may be, to put myself in front of God's word, to put my eyes on the wondrous things. But the Bible tells us it's foolishness to those whose eyes and hearts haven't been opened to spiritual things. And so while I have this responsibility to put myself in front of God's word, I need the Holy Spirit to then make those things come alive to me, right? Because it pushes against my sinful tendencies. It pushes against my flesh and my selfishness 
to live in this way. But God's word becomes alive to me from the supernatural side when the Holy Spirit helps me to see, no, this is the best way to live. My flesh tells me otherwise, but this is the right way to live. The one who designed this universe knows how to use the universe for its best purposes, right? So he's telling me through his word how to live my life. I need my eyes to be open to that. So as we think about like our own personal Bible study, our own time in the word where we sit and we read and we meditate on these truths. Remember, Psalm 119 tells us it's how we pursue purity. We hide God's word in our heart. Well, it starts with us believing that there are wondrous things to find here, right? Your view of God and his word will determine whether you prioritize time in it, right? If I don't believe that there are wondrous things to be found there, if I believe that the Bible may be outdated or hard to understand, maybe not as relevant as as the pastor says that it is, I'm not going to find myself going to it. But if I believe, oh, this this is where wondrous things are found, right? This is where glorious things can be seen. And I'm going to be driven to it. I'm going to be driven to it. And it's there that I can pray for God to open my eyes to see those wondrous things. We know the Bible is really taking root in our lives when we're able to endure opposition and hard circumstances with joyful obedience. And that's what happens here at the end of this section. The psalmist is saying, look, Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I've kept your testimonies. These people are plotting against me, but your servant will meditate on your statutes. Right? Hard circumstances and opposition comes. The psalmist doesn't run away from God. Right? He doesn't deconstruct his faith and leave. No, he runs to God. He runs to his word. Right? True biblical salvation manifests itself. When the individual is willing to continue to obey, to endure opposition, to endure the hard circumstances with joyful obedience. And that starts with us hiding his word in our heart so that we keep believing in his goodness. We keep believing in his power when we're being tempted and challenged to think otherwise. And then last week, last one that we'll look at today is Psalm 16. Psalm chapter 16. Studying God's word should incite a deeper commitment to God that will also lead to an increasing contentment in this life and an informed confidence about the life to come. So time in God's word, studying God's word, meditating, reading God's word, it should lead to a deeper commitment to God, increasing contentment with God, and informed confidence about the life to come with God. That should be the result of our Bible study. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom all is my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will pour out for take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a bountiful or a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
I challenged you last week that the key truths that drive Psalm 16 is, is the psalmist, David, being aware of God's power and his goodness. He's powerful. He's a place of refuge for David, and David believes that. But then he's also showing God's goodness because he says, I said to you, Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And we talked last week. What he's saying there is that God is only good, right? He's never not good. And the only way to find good is through God. There is no good outside of God. And and if you really believe that, it, it changes a lot of things in your life. Right? If God can only be good, and the only way to experience good is with God, that changes a lot of things. Sin then becomes looking for goodness outside of God and his will. We go looking for an alternate or better good, and that was the ploy of Satan, right? What he tried to do was to get Adam and Eve to doubt God's power and to doubt God's goodness. And the reason those two things are so important, if I believe God is good, that's great. But if he's not powerful enough to be good to me, then then it fails me, right? But if he is powerful enough and he's good, well, that that changes everything. Because now I've got a God who's working good for me, which is what Romans 8, 28 promises, that he works all things for good. And it's not just him trying to work things for good. He is working things for good because he's all-powerful. David says, you're my place of refuge because you're powerful and you're good. And the Bible then drives me to a deeper level of commitment to this type of God. Causes me to align more and more with with others who want to follow this God too, right? The saints become my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God, I'm trying to distance myself from those people. I don't engage in those pagan practices, the drink offerings of blood, I told you. You're probably not tempted to pour out drink offerings of blood this week. If you are, you need to change the people you hang out with, right? But we are all going to be tempted at some point to engage in the things of this world. And David says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep running to my refuge, who is all-powerful and all-good. But the thing I want to close with from Psalm 16 is the, the, the contentment that we're to find with God, Right? He's my chosen portion. He is my cup. He holds my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The Bible drives me to a deeper level of contentment with God. He becomes our cup. I told you last week that the picture here is is the guy who, or the girl who goes to someone's house and they say, what do you want to drink? And the person says, whatever you got's good with me, right? And I told you I'm not that person. I'm not going to trust you to fill my cup with something that that I may not like because I'm too picky with what I drink. But David's saying, you're my cup. Fill the contents with whatever you want. I trust you to fill it rightly. He says, whatever lot lines you give me, whatever plot lines, whatever property lines I'm given. We told you, I told you, it, it goes back to the Old Testament context of the children of Israel getting the promised land and then God divvying out where they're to live in the promised land. And he gave them plot lines. He gave them lot lines. And he commanded them. He says, you don't move them. You be content with the property that I've given you. And I challenged you last week. That's for us in our life today. Are we content with the lot lines that we've been given? Are you content with the life that's been given to you? God's orchestrated it. He's ordained it. He's given you circumstances that are different than other people's circumstances. 
And those plot lines would have looked different in Israel. Some people would have been closer to the river than others. And God says, you be content with the lot lines. You be content with those plot lines that have been given to you, those circumstances that are outside your control, right? doesn't mean that we don't pursue a new job because we think it'll better fit our, our schedule or provide better for our family. There are things that we take responsibility for. There's things that we do that God prompts us and leads us to do. But there's things that are outside of our control that we, that we can't control. And those are the things that we find contentment with, right? These lot lines that are given to us. Our, our fishing conditions weren't great this week. But we kept talking as a group, I'm going to be content with my lot lines this week right? Like God knew that we chose this week. He, he knew that we chose this week to fellowship and to hang out and to enjoy his creation. We're going to trust the lot lines that have been given to us. We're going to trust those plot lines. He, he holds our plot. He holds our cup, and we're going to be content with the contents of it. I challenged you last week. Think about the one thing that you don't have in this life that you would choose to have if given the choice. What's the one thing you don't have in this life that if you could choose it, you would have it? And I challenged you, if he never gives it to you, it wouldn't be good for you. If he never gives it to you, then it means it wouldn't be good for you. Right? It might be good for somebody else. He gives certain things that we want to other people, and he doesn't give them to us. And the reason we can, we can trust and hope in that is that he's only good. He's only good. And his goodness towards you might look different than somebody else's goodness. But what we trust in is that he's only good and he fills our cup and he fills it differently. But we trust him with the contents of the cup. We trust him with the plot lines, even though we don't live on the same property. We trust him with the ones that he's given to us. And the hope of the future gives me the ability to enjoy my plot lines today because I'm not treasuring these circumstances. This isn't the end for me, right? There's greater things to come, and that's what's talked about here at the end of Psalm 16, that he is coming back. We are not abandoned to this life. We are not abandoned to the afterlife where we see corruption. No, he's coming to, he's coming to resurrect us to life with him. And he makes known to us this path of life, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Let me give you two things to remember, two things to do, and we'll close. I mean, a little bit longer than normal. What should I remember? Number one, the Bible tells me all I need to know about God, myself, and this life to keep me faithful to him until he returns. But the Bible must be heard, read, studied, and memorized by me for God to release the powerful supernatural understanding of it to me. Okay, so there's a lot going on there. What's, what, what are we saying? And the Bible contains everything that you need to be faithful to God tells you everything you need to know about God, about you, about life, about what you're supposed to be doing. It tells you everything that you need to know to be faithful to him. But you're not going to know it unless you hear it, read it, study it, memorize it. And when you're doing those things, God's going to release the supernatural understanding of it to you, where it all starts to make sense and it starts to change your life to where you're hoping in him when your circumstances aren't what you would choose, right? We have to put ourselves in front of the wondrous things for those things to become wondrous to us. The Holy Spirit makes them wondrous to us. Number two, God's power and goodness should create contentment in my heart for the circumstances I experience because he is powerful enough to give me my most needed circumstances and good enough to ensure they are provided to me as well. I can be content with my life with my circumstances, because God's powerful and he's good. 
He's powerful enough to give me my most needed circumstances, and he's good enough to ensure I get them as well. If I believe those things, I can be content with whatever lot I'm given. I can trust that it's a good lot. I don't have to question God and his goodness. I can believe that he's good. I can believe that he's in control. I can believe that he's powerful. These are the things to remember. It should drive us to be in God's word more. If we believe these things about God's word, it drives us to his word. What should I do? Number one, decide today that being in the word is going to become a habit for you rather than something you'll eventually get to. And this is one of the things that we just continue to put off in our life, I think. It's kind of like exercise. I'll get around to it at some point. If you don't build it in as a habit, if you don't decide, I'm going to start doing it now, you'll never do it. You'll, you'll never really make it a part of your life. It'll always be something that you'll do when you have more time or when, when you don't have kids around or when, when your job is different, when, you're, when your schedule changes. No, you have to decide today that being in the Word is going to become a habit for you. And I would challenge those of you that are a part of our C groups and our D groups, decide today that you're going to show up at your next D group more prepared than you ever have been due to being in the Word. One of the reasons that we do D groups here, this, this idea of our, our men and our women breaking up into small groups to study the Bible before coming together and then to encourage one another with the fruit of our study. Why do we do that? Well, it solves some of the greatest hindrances to not reading your Bible, right? One of the biggest hindrances is, I don't know what to read, right? Pastor, I want to sit down and read the Bible, but I don't know where to start, right? Well, our D groups tell you where to read, right? We're going to study 1 John right now together. We're going to study chapter uh, 5, or chapter 4 right now. We're going to study chapter 4. Right? So it, it, it eliminates you not knowing where to go. It also eliminates the, the lack of accountability because there's coming a night where your D group's going to gather and there's an expectation that you've read and studied it. Right? So now I have a responsibility that I've got to prepare myself because I want to bring something to the table. I want to be able to share something that I've learned or studied. It also gives you the outlet for asking questions about what you don't understand because that's also a hindrance for studying the Bible. I don't know where to go, and then even if I did know where to go, I wouldn't know what I'm reading when I get there. I would have so many questions about it. Our D group provides you an opportunity to come together with other men, other women, to know what to read, to know what to study, to share some of the things you've learned, but to also ask questions about things you haven't understood yet. Decide today that you're going to make the word a habit in your life. Number two. Oh. We're already on number two. Decide today that moving forward, you're going to trust the lot lines given to you and trust the contents of the cup that are coming to you by adopting that terminology to your normal processing strategy. And I would challenge you to start talking that way, right? I told you, as a group of guys, we started talking that way this week, right? At times we were joking about it, but there was a seriousness to it too. Like, I'm going to trust my lot lines. I'm going to trust the cup and the contents that the Lord has poured for me. Use that terminology as you're processing your life circumstances this week. Draw yourself back to God's word. Take your, your understanding of contentment to a different level. Take it to what Psalm 16 is saying here, to be content with the contents of the cup. Be content with the plot lines and where they fall. And trust that it's God's goodness and God's power that is drawing those plot lines. It's not random, it's intentional, right? God's powerful enough and good enough to get anything out of the fridge to pour into your cup. And he's strategic in choosing what he puts there. He's put there for good purposes. We can trust him. We can trust him with that. Am I content with my lot lines or do I wish to move them? Do I trust him enough to fill my cup with the contents that I'll drink? 
challenge you to do these things in response to what we've been learning, to, to make the word a priority in your life, to make it a habit, to find the time you're going to do it and just start doing it. And then to adopt this terminology, lot lines and contents of the cup, challenge yourself to be content with what God gives to you this week. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in, in, in closing. Um, and to do so, I want to draw your attention once again to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Always, I think it's important to communicate because we always have visitors that are with us on on the days that we partake of the Lord's Supper that you are invited to partake if you're a believer. So whether you're a member of our church, a first-time visitor, if you are a believer, we believe here at Sovereign Hope that you are invited to partake. So you don't have to be a member of our church to do so. Um, But we also feel like it's important to clarify what it is we're doing, right? So we're not inviting anybody to get saved by partaking of the Lord's Supper. We're not inviting anybody to keep their salvation by partaking of the Lord's Supper. No, we are are simply publicly expressing our beliefs through what God has given us to do to do that. And by doing so, it's meant to be an encouragement to each other that we are all still all in with Jesus, right? That we're still trusting in His blood. We're still trusting in His life, His perfect life righteousness that's given to us his sacrificial death his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins and we are trusting in the resurrection because we partake of this until jesus comes back first corinthians 11 verse 23 for i received from the lord would also deliver to you that the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right? That last part there. Did he die? Absolutely. He died for us. But he's not still dead. Because we don't just proclaim his death. We proclaim his death until he comes. And that's the anticipation of the resurrection. He is coming back. He is alive today, and that is our grounds for celebration. We drink of the cup, we eat of the bread today as an expression that we are trusting him, that we are content with whatever he gives us, and we will maintain our obedience and our following of him until he comes back. I'm going to invite you to, to, um, if you didn't grab elements on the way in, we've got them right outside on a table. We've got the juice and the bread. I encourage you to grab some of those. Don't hesitate to dismiss yourself because we're going to have some time of reflection now as we close. Uh, I think Tyson's got some people that are going to come and and read some of these psalms once again over us as a means of worship this morning. Um, Invite you to partake at any point during this time. Invite you to pray silently if you'd like to. Um, Encourage you to use this as a time to worship as we close. Um, And and then Tyson's going to come and dismiss us after we've had that time of of, uh, silent singing through the psalms that God gives to us today. Psalm 16 first. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. 
The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 119, 1-8 Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young man... Keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalm 119, 17 through 24. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, the cursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statues. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Lastly, we're going to read from Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, 
and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And skipping down to verse 38, yet he, being compassion, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together today as a people that have put their hope and trust in Christ. Lord, as we always pray, if there's someone here that has not put their hope and trust in you, may you, through the powerful working of your Holy Spirit, give them a heart of flesh so that they might trust you, even today. God, for those who have already done so, who have found their righteousness in Jesus and not their own, who are looking toward the second coming and putting their hope in seeing our Savior face to face, God, I pray that you would shake us from the hold that this world continually seeks to have on us, allow your word to have its mighty and impactful uh, effect upon our souls, that it would allow us to see what is truly valuable and place our affections and, and our desires on things above and not on things of the earth. God, help us to look towards all the wonderful truths that we've learned in the Psalms. Help that to drive our satisfaction in you, our contentment, our future hope. Allow the truths of the scriptures to, to lead us onward as we leave this place. God, especially for myself, God, I pray that you would give us boldness and, and intentional conversations with other people, that we wouldn't be content to hold this wonderful news inside of us until the next Lord's Day, but God, that you would drive us into the mission field as we leave this place to, to take the good news of the gospel and what Christ has done with us. God, this is a, an appropriate week that we could do that as we celebrate Palm Sunday today and as we look towards Easter this next Sunday. God, would you allow conversations to happen in our workplaces and our families? And God, help us to make best use of this time. Um, God, because it's very, it should be very common that we talk about these things all the time, but especially this week, people may even expect us to. So God, may we rise to that and take advantage of these opportunities to spread your truth. But Lord, we can only do that with the boldness that your Holy Spirit gives us. And God, with the confidence that we have that he's the one that's working in and through our feeble words to bring about salvation in the hearts and souls of others. So God, would you gather more and more people, God, into your fold. And we thank you for the people that are here that have come to trust in Jesus. May we be a faithful and loving church to show the world what it looks like to shine as a light in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. God, we thank you and we praise your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.